Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm one of your co-hosts, John Bucks, based in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm joined, as always, by my better-looking half on the best coast, Brian Chin. How you doing, Chinny? Oh, mates, I'm suffering from the FPL Blues. It was a brutal, brutal noodle of a game week. I am still reeling from the amounts of ones and zeros in my squad, but like they say, the show must go on, and here we are to create some more content, and hopefully we'll, it'll be easier for us to get green arrows next week. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? And if ever there was a game week to not emerge from behind the couch or uh, not emerge from such a deep and dark pit of depression from a deep and steep red arrow, game week three was that game week. But we're here. We are committed and uh, as content creators, we're always going to show up good, bad, and ugly. And game week three was fugly. There were just so many upsets across the board. And obviously adding insult to injury, chin salt to injury. We also saw our beloved Chelsea Blues get the shit kicked out of them. So this might be a not safe for work episode. We'll definitely mark it with that E. But I think you and I both have some choice words uh, for a couple of these teams that just need a swift kick in the pants. Yeah, that's very true. A lot of the top teams were away this game week, and that's going to flip in game week four. So there is reason for optimism and for patience. Uh, Patience is often rewarded in the game of FPL. Without further ado, let's jump into our relatively poor performances in game week three. I'll go first. I ended up on 43 points all out. And uh, steep 400K plus red arrow down to about 625,000 overall. I was really only rescued by Mo Salah as my captain. He ends up with a goal and sneaks in for bonus. So he ends up on 16 points. And my back line, my big at the back strategy really fell hard and flat. Uh, I had TAA, Rabo, Cancelo, Reese James, and Cucurella for a total of three points. So uh, not what you like to see, that's for sure. Oh, Bucks, I'm right there with you. I had a steep red arrow and uh, I don't even know what the drop was. I did not calculate it. I definitely spent some time away from the FPL app after this game week. Well, which was really only a couple hours and then I po- popped it back open since I have two free transfers and I got to tinker to solve this depression that I'm in. But right now the squad, oof, yeah, 38 points. I had a similar backline to you, except I had uh, another one-pointer. You had Ramsdale for six. I had Ward for one. So all binary code here, zeros and ones from Trent, James, Cancelo, Robertson. I, I, I go to start Nico Williams over Pereira because Pereira was knocked and Nico was playing a you know Everton side. He comes in with one point. Very depressing from the back. At least some of my attackers got points. Salah, like you said, he came, he comes good. He ends up outscoring Holland, outscoring Kane, uh, outscoring Jesus. So he's still old faithful, old trusty. He comes in with 16. Martinelli with six. Jesus with four. Holland with six. And then my differential in Phil Foden, he comes away with another blank. So I am three for three to start the season Yikes. with a blank from my expensive 8.0 midfielder there was so much promise um, from the FPL community that these 8.0 midfielders were going to pop off and he comes in with a two-pointer but in other news this game was just so exciting this game week it had everything there were so many upsets there were so many um, moments where you were just swearing at your tv or in your whatsapp group firing off some twitter thumb types of comments Um, I really enjoyed the rest of the game week other than this uh, absolutely dismal performance. Yeah, this was a perfect game week for Twitter fingers to turn into trigger fingers for sure. And uh, (laughs) we both we both were suffering like a drive by uh, out in the FPL points department because we took a lot of strays. Yeah, I took a lot of strays. And it's just interesting because I think the big at the back is obviously a very template style of playing to start the season and you know it's been pretty solid so far a lot of people have scored over 65 points in the first couple game weeks but this this game week you know if you didn't have Perisic or Saliba your back line is just looking absolutely abysmal so um, you know 
kudos to those players who maybe had a dunk or had a Saliba come in for them in a big way. But other than that, we got to keep moving on, Bucks. I think it was a big, again, a big week for template bashing, and hopefully we'll see some more differentials start to come into other managers' squads. Average score this game week was very low. Uh, The first two game weeks was 57 points. This game week, all the way down to 48 points total. Uh, Both your hosts failed to uh, eclipse that 48-point total uh, by a quite wide margin. Yeah, I would give a lot of uh, my my prize possessions to have 10 more points and beyond the average. But instead, this is a a below average pod. It it must be like uh, high school all over again, Bucks. We're just not making the grade. Hey, speak for yourself. Let's talk about the manager of the game week. There was a couple managers uh, within the FPL community who did shine. One of them in our league is Chris Riley. His team, Riley's Rockets, go big for 68 points. Uh, I don't know how you did it, but uh, it was very impressive to beat the average by 20 points. Uh, He had Salah captain Perisic and Larice as the defensive double up that had both uh, nice returns. Perisic for 12, Larice for nine. And then JWP was a big differential for Chris, uh, who got an assist and bonus points for a return. So bravo to Chris. Very nice score of 68. And we should also just shout out the current UCL, the top four in the FPL Blues Podcast League. Uh, Who's at the top, Brian? In first place, we have Gabby's Gunners, a.k.a. Corby Olsen, with 220 points, standing in first first place. Second place, we have Solanke Leg, a.k.a. Mark Croman. He's got 215 points. Third place, West Nodding Fulham, Nick Hazi, 214 points. And then DeGracio FC, which is Cosme Jimenez with 212. So that rounds out our top four. Congratulations to those managers who are off to a blistering start and an extra shout out to uh, Corby Olson, who is a, a friend of mine from high school. He just got married this past week, too. So his FPL team is flying. His personal life is flying. And then even his IRL uh, Arsenal squad is flying. So hats off to you, man. Congrats. What a trio for Corby. Uh, congrats to all the managers who had strong game weeks and everyone involved. Uh, it's still early. There's plenty of game weeks left to make up ground, and it's very tight uh, at the top and also throughout the top 100 engaged managers in our mini league. Uh, there is still time to enter. Code is 4MUMS2. We will be closing that uh, once we hit the midweek fixture in game week five. So get involved, uh, get activated, and we look forward to seeing you towards the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, last week to join that, we'll have some prizes for top four this season. So super excited to share those. And you'll also be able to enter the cup, which is at the end of the uh, season. It'll be a knockout style tournament. So hopefully you'll join us. And again, Bucks, let's not panic. There's, you know, 20 points could be separate you for a million places right now. So it's uh, definitely a marathon and not a sprint, but we need to turn this around ASAP because it's hard to come on here when you're, IRL team gets their ass kicked and then you're down in the dumps with your FPL team too. So uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and recap some of the matches and then talk about our growing watch list, especially with players outside of the top six. We'll be right back. We are back. Let's get into game week three. It's going to be a sorrowful recap, but we have to do it nonetheless. Let's start with the opening match of the weekend. Spurs get a W at home, and they looked like it was a more even fight. But, uh, you know, when it comes to finishing prowess, there are a few in the world better than one Harry Kane, and he just does the business once again for Spurs. Uh, Most notable player of the match for FPL purposes, was one Ivan Perisic. He gets the start, grabs an assist, clean sheet, and three bonus points, ends up on 12 points, which was absolutely massive in an otherwise low-scoring game week. He is back up to a starting price of $5.5 million and is owned by about 20% of the game. So pretty notable uh, player that you want to be earmarking for future transfer moves, perhaps. Yeah, it's interesting with Perisic. He finally gets his first start, instantly delivers a 12-pointer. With that being said, you know, it was a flick of his head 
off of a set piece to then find Kane in the back of the net. So a little bit lucky he didn't have any shots in this match either, but he did uh, find himself in an offside position maybe once or twice. And that's kind of crazy, right, that you have your winger uh, so far advanced and behind enemy lines. So um, he's he's definitely a player that is going to catch some eyes. And I think it's just interesting. You have to be able to mentally field the benches that he might have, but he's already got 15, 16 points in three matches. And that's right there with Reese James, for example. So even though he isn't starting, he can deliver and he's going to have some 15 point uh, hall potential in him. It's just really as a manager, if you can stomach that uh, when those team sheets come out and he's on the bench and Sess is starting. Yeah, he was playing as basically the fourth attacker for uh, Tottenham in this match. And what's, I think, most interesting about Perisic is there are reports that he might have picked up a knock in this game. So he was kind of fighting back to full fitness, and he might now be back on the bench uh, when they play against Nottingham Forest in game week four. So uh, something to monitor for sure if you have Perisic or are looking at him as top of your watch list. Next up, we have Palace crushing the villains at Selhurst Park three to one. This was a bit of a tricky match, Bucks, because obviously Bailey, who is a hot commodity to start the season, he actually gets the start in this one and gets an assist early to Watkins. It was actually a beautifully placed header, header through ball type of play that Watkins slotted home very nicely past Gaitza. So um, they start up 1-0, but then, man, this Palace team looks prime for a really solid top half of the table type of season. Zaha gets a, a basically identical goal to what he had versus uh, Liverpool only a week ago, and he slots that home. And then he also is on penalty kicks and gets the penalty later in the game, misses it from a great save from Emmy, just a great <laughs> yeah. uh, hamburger helper, mitt type of save, blocks it, but it goes right back to Zaha and he slots it in. So now he's got three goals in the first three matches and uh, he puts up 12 points. So he's somebody at 7 million, a unique price point, but if your guys like Foden or Mount or even Saka aren't firing, you know, they have City this week. But after this week, I would definitely be considering Zaha as well. Those penalties and the way that they're playing is uh, very impressive. And I thought from an eye test perspective, this as a guy looks like he's finally fully fit back from his long standing injury. And between him and Elise, they actually have a ton of chance creation. Like they just shit out chances and Zaha is going to gobble some of those up. So uh, it's a much different team than when they had Gallagher running box to box and finishing that. This Eze guy is putting uh, chances on a platter for the rest of his team and very impressed with them so far. Yeah, and Zaha is just uh, flying to start this season. I think he really is taking to Patrick Vieira as a manager, and you could see his improvement season on uh, now going on the second season under Patty V. He had a career year last year. I expect this is going to be even bigger. And based on his start, um, that's not even a bold take. He's just a better player uh, in this new system. And they're playing really centered around his skill set. So he's their true talisman. And really, Palace is in a difficult stretch of their fixture run right now. So the fact that Zaha is hitting and really churning along with some of these big hauls is reason for optimism as we get towards the international break around game week eight. He is definitely going to be a popular player to bring in on late wild cards uh, for certain across the FPL community. Yeah, the only thing with Zaha is he's not great on bonus points because he does take and miss a lot of chances, but he does have that double digit haul in him um, brace potential any game that he steps on the pitch and just impressed with what Vieira is putting around him to get him service and get him making those runs. And he's been clinical on a few of them. So uh, good to see him at firing at 7.1 million to start the season. And he's playing out of position kind of as this false nine role with penalties. So uh, a budget price for a player with so many avenues towards goal. Next up, we have Everton versus NFO. A 4.5 budget keeper showdown. Wow. I started Nico Williams in this one and I was watching him very closely. I was really hoping that I made the right pick, um, but it appears that Andreas Pereira comes in with an eight pointer instead. So I've, I've botched that move, but ultimately at 4.0, um, he did take maybe two shots, was on two corners and a free kick. And he's going to be 
having a haul at some point. He doesn't have any attacking returns yet, but at 4.0, he's a potential season keeper uh, just to have on your bench and a guy that's going to play every game. Uh, elsewhere, we saw Johnson at 5.9 million, under 2% owned. He gets a goal and max bonus points, and he gets nine. Uh, I think shout out to Corby Olson because he actually started him this week for that nine pointer, Absurd. which was, yeah, absolutely huge differential. Very uh, questionable call, but good for him for that coming good. Um, and then uh, we saw Pickford at the very end of the game, probably around, around the 80th minute. He boots the ball over the top of the whole forest defense. And it goes to Damari Gray, who was man of the match from my perspective. He was everywhere. He was trying to will them to, um, you know, attacking positions and wills them to victory who slots it past uh, Dean Henderson. So overall, uh, a couple assets to note, but nobody I'd be rushing to bring in. I think even though Henderson looks good, he's going to make a ton of saves, but man, I just, the rest of their squad is not, um, they're not built for keeping clean sheets at this point and have so many new faces in their squad that it's going to take them a while to settle in. Yeah. Great shout. Uh, just to clarify, it was a tie. So gray brought them all the way back to earn a point, uh, to level the matchup in the 88th minute Pickford gets the first assist from a goalkeeper this season, uh, not Ederson, not Allison. So that is uh, notable Pickford gets seven points all out. Gray ends up matching Johnson for nine points and, yeah, just there's a lot of turbulence around this Everton team and also around Nottingham Forest right now for different reasons. Everton are kind of starved for quality players, whereas Nottingham Forest are looking to bet in uh, basically a whole new starting 11 worth of attacking and new acquisition uh, in this window. So uh, I think two teams going opposite directions despite the 1-1 result. Everton's going to have a really tough time this season, I think especially if the rumors of Anthony Gordon being sold to our Chelsea blues for around 70 million pounds. Oh, I do not Yuck. like that bucks, Yuck. but uh, yeah, that's a hefty price to pay for a 21 year old who hasn't done Jack squat, but um, Everton, they're going to be in that bottom relegation battle. I think the whole season. Agreed. Agreed. Let's keep it moving. Three, two Fulham end up beating back the bees. Uh, very impressive showing from Fulham, at least to my Fulham. eye. Uh, yeah. They're real deal. I think. Yeah. Shocking performance. I mean, we just saw this Brentford team win four zero versus United and absolutely thump them. And this Fulham team is very much a revival project under uh, Marco Silva. I think they're going to be attacking. They're going to give up goals, but you've clearly seen that they can score two on anybody. And so I think the likes of Mitrovic long-term, especially at his price point as a third striker is definitely becoming a serious option. He's on pens. Um, and then elsewhere, the other striker of the moment right now is Ivan Tony. He's delivered in every single match he's played in so far. And he, I think he's got two or three goals that have been chalked off by very marginal offsides as well. So he is nearing a big 13 point brace um, in the upcoming weeks and they have the fixtures to boot. Yeah. I think Tony is the player that should be number one on your watch list. If you are a eye test kind of player, because you can't watch a Brentford match and be like, who is that guy? Cause Tony is that guy. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> he's so much better than any other budget forward option. I think under 8 million, he's clearly the best player in the game right now, based on the way he's playing his form and just his ability to create for other teammates as well as for himself. So I've been very impressed with him and uh, we can't go without shouting out Andreas Pereira. He is the most popular budget midfield option at 4.5 million. He's owned by almost 25% of the FPL game. He gets an assist and three bonus points for eight huge points and hats off to the 20% of managers that own him that had him in their starting lineup. I mean, that is a sensational pick when the average is 48 to have your budget player start and contribute eight points. That's uh, that's really impressive FPL management and uh, a genius level play uh, from those managers. Yeah, I am not a genius, Bucks. That one, that one really hurts. Nope, um, nope, not us. You know, not us. We, we didn't get team sheet news on his potential knock if it was going to keep him out. Silva was very mum about that, so I fell into the trap of starting Nico Williams and hoping that he would deliver a clean instead of uh, attacking returns from. Fulham. So I think the the main thing here is 
Fulham at home are a different animal. They really struggled on the road when they played Wolverhampton in game week two, game week one in front of the home home fans. They put in a really good shift versus Liverpool, and then they win this game. So I, I would be more confident starting Pereira as your 11th man in their home fixture. So just something to note and monitor on the fixture ticker. Yeah, definitely great shout. Craven Cottage is a stronghold for them, and they are looking like a really attacking team. They have the Premier League pedigree, and they're putting it to work this season for sure. Let's keep it moving. Leicester 1, Southampton 2. Leicester, very disappointing performance at King Power Stadium in front of the home cooking, in front of the home crowd, but ever-reliable. Their talisman, James Madison, does it again. He gets another goal another return this season he's been the standout eight million player to my eye uh so far this season and he ends up with seven points in this one but this match was all about a not fpl relevant player and that is che adams as he goes off he's under one percent owned and he ends up with a out brace of three bonus out of it was it was really unpredictable <laughs> i was like who's gonna Who's going to do anything for this Southampton team? Che Adams was like, hold my beer. He ends up with a brace, three bonus, 12 FPL points. I know I didn't have him. I know you didn't have him. I know really no one who's an FPL manager had him because he's under 1% owned. So congrats to Che Adams for backing himself and to his family for having him for vibes purposes. But uh, I think that's all we need to say about this match. Yeah. Once again, JWP though, chips in with seven points. At 6.5 million, he is a player that just ticks along. I know we called him out in the preseason. He's never going to bang, but he's always going to come in with uh, all those set pieces. And uh, I've saw a few managers in our uh, FPL Blues Super League that did have him. So hats off to those owners because he's going to continue to tick along with some five to nine pointers throughout the season. And again, we've seen some really disappointing efforts from these 8 million pound players. Um, so, all right, Bucks. Um, Oh, yeah. And then just want to note those managers who have uh, Iverson and Ward as their starting goalkeeper, like I do. Man, this has been a failed gamble. We are in shambles. I, I would definitely be prioritizing a future transfer very soon to get Ward out of here. It's uh, It's been a disaster of a punt to start the season. Yeah, three points from three games, and he has conceded eight goals from an XG of four. So that is hard to do, and uh, I mean, what it's hard the, to believe. What the flying bleep? How is that even possible? <laughs> hard to believe that Brendan Rodgers was saying he is a definitive number one goalkeeper because uh, I have eyes, and I think most managers that are serious about the Premier League have eyes, and this guy ain't it. He is bad. He really could not be on a championship level uh, the way he's playing so far. Next game, the Gunners. Wow, these lads are on a tear. They win 3-0 versus Bournemouth, and in this one we see Odegaard come in with a brace his first goal was pretty classy. And then his second one, he just, um, you know, slotted it home off of a scrap heap, but there's FPL gold all over this team because Saliba. Wow. Wonder finish with his off foot. He gets a clean sheet and the goal for 14 points. He's 4.6 million. I just don't see him relinquishing his spot in the team. And at the moment, I think Arteta's you know, they've had the same side each of the three game weeks and it's been working like a gem. So well done to the Gunners. They are a team that have the form right now and their fixtures are beautiful in front of them. We're going to be tripled up on Arsenal. It's crazy to say. Yeah, they are top of the table right now and solidly. So they are humming from an offensive perspective and Saliba has been the best player on Arsenal for two of their three matches. And the fact that he's under 22 years old, there are bright things ahead for this player. And I can't see Ben White, even though he was a splashy, cashy transfer last season, there's no way Ben White is pushing Saliba to the bench uh, when Tomiyasu is fully fit. So uh, really impressive from Saliba. I think he's one to watch and should be firmly on the transfer radar for FPL purposes. Worth mentioning, Jesus, the highest owned player ever in the FPL game, blanks, but he really only blanked 
by a millisecond or millimeters uh, because he had the ball in the back of the net on a narrow offsides call. He ends up just with an assist, so four points, but it easily could have been a 12 or 13 pointer. Um, but Arsenal have two of the three kings of the game week to start the season. So uh, they are really on one right now. There's just value to be had across this entire squad. I think essential players are going to be Jesus and then also Martinelli. And then you can have your pick between Ramsdale, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. They're just in a great spot for FPL. So you can go with any of those players and expect to receive a few clean sheets coming up. I, I would say, Bucks, I was very surprised that that goal was actually offsides because it looked very similar to Rashford being onside versus the uh, Liverpool squad. So a couple of it touchy... was more onside. It was more yeah, onside couple... than the other okay. one. <laughs> a couple of touchy moments for VR this weekend that had uh, FPL managers in a tizzy. But again, he, he really looks like uh, Jesus is fitting into the squad beautifully and they're going to continue to roll on. All right, we have to keep it moving. And next up is a game I don't want to uh, remember or recall or. Oh, yeah, let's let's just skip. Let's skip this. We don't need to talk about this, right? We can't do that. Three zero to Leeds. They absolutely ran riot over our boys at Chelsea. And this was a Thomas Tuchel and Edward Mendy shit fest. I mean, holy cow, they got it wrong up and down the pitch. Really shit effort from Chelsea. They were just bossed from top to bottom by Leeds and the intensity of Marsh ball and Mendy had a brain fart and Tuchel is just falling in love with playing guys at their second best or third best position. So uh, we deservedly got punished and Leeds look spectacular. Rodrigo has been the hottest player to start the season. He, Ooh, leads, the, he leads the league in goals. He has four goals and one assist. Uh, but Harrison, Jack Harrison, Brendan Aronson, I mean, that fluid front three for Leeds just gave Chelsea nightmares the entire match. And uh, this was a deserved result. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about this performance from Leeds and the no-show from Chelsea. Real shit across the board. Yeah, ruined your weekend, Bucks. And uh, I would say I was right there with you. I was so disappointed to see how this 360 occurred in just the span of a week where the first 45 minutes versus Spurs, we look like we're a top three team in the whole Premier League. And then then the press from Leeds is absolutely destroying us. We start Reese James at right center back and then put our LC in the right wing back slot. And it just did not work. They he's he's too slow for that position. He needs to be a box to box midfielder. Gallagher then uh didn't play very well in his first start for Chelsea and just across the board. Then we add insult to injury, Koulibaly, red card, uh, just an absolute cluster bleep. Kai looks like crap. Mount is floating in and out of places that he shouldn't be. And uh, there's, there's reason for concern with this Chelsea attack for sure. I still have the faith, but it's funny to see a lot of managers go from Trippier to Cucurella this week. And that uh, did not end up being a good transfer for many managers. Yeah, and it's just interesting because we have sung the praises of Tuchel for a very long time. He can, on his day, be one of the best managers in world football. But to start this season, he has one good half and five pretty mediocre to bad ones. So uh, they need to right the ship as soon as possible. This is supposed to be an easy portion of their season. So the fact that they are stumbling and bumbling through it is uh, really concerning. And the injuries keep piling up. The transfer news keeps piling up. Uh, it's a lot of concern uh, floating around Chelsea right now. It seems like they are adrift without a paddle and without a real plan in place on what their best 11 is, let alone what the future holds to set up this team for success this season as well as long term. So, uh, yeah, I am definitely nervous as a Chelsea fan and uh, very concerned as an FPL manager with the Chelsea defensive double up uh, going into game week four. Uh, yeah, not going to be sleeping easy. No, that especially hurts because Koulibaly is not going to play, you know, in that next match too. So all of a sudden you have a weekend back line. Um, I, I think they need to play Aspie in the next game uh, as well, just to get some momentum on the right side. And we'll, we'll see what happens, but 
you know, it, it is Cucurella one game. Cucurella is going to play left center back. So we were targeting him for FPL returns because we assumed he would be playing left wing back. But for sure, with Koulibaly out, Cucurella is now going to be that left center back. I agree with you. I think Aspie comes in uh, to flank Tiago Silva on the right, which means yep. that Reese James will hopefully be restored to his preferred uh, dominant position, right wing back. But it's just a lot of concern right now because not knowing they're starting 11. I mean, you see teams like Arsenal, like Leeds, they are starting to really hit pace. They're starting to, you know, the motor is running and they're getting up to speed now going into game week four and Chelsea are just trying to get out of the first gear. Yeah. We're still in the mechanics shop. You know, Tuchel is tinkering along, just trying to figure out what's going to work and uh, things have been a bit grim. So we'll see again. There were a lot of upsets this week, and Chelsea is definitely one of those uh, those victims as well. But they need to turn it around, and hopefully, um, especially for FPL, we'll get some returns from their defense. Coming up, though, I mean, Leicester, Leicester score goals. That's going to be a tough one as well for them. They're, they're generally going to give up. You know, we'll probably win that match coming up and score two or three goals. I think Sterling will get his first goal, but I would bet that Leicester score um, that game. So it's going to be tough for your defensive double up on the blues all right keeping it moving brighton beat up on the hammers west ham have failed to launch to start the season they are goalless through three matches and this is their worst ever start to a premier league campaign and they're firmly 20th position bottom of the table uh, which is totally unexpected to say the least but on the flip side brighton have come out churning and burning and their defense looks like a well-tuned Rolex watch right now because everything is ticking along quite nicely. Perfect timing, perfect uh, understanding between the players. And Robert Sanchez is just bossing a lot of these more premium goalkeepers for FPL points. He looks like the best option in that uh, when we look forward towards wild card and uh, just very impressive. McAllister takes the penalty kick with Trossard and Gross on the field, uh, but Pascal Gross does get a another FPL return with an assist. And yeah, the Brighton bandwagon keeps growing in steam because they are top four right now to start the season, and they are looking really strong. Big time matchup of unexpected uh, kind of top of the table will meet in game week four when Leeds play Brighton. So something's got to break because Leeds offense looks like it's an unstoppable force and Brighton defense looks like an immovable object. So uh, that'll be one to watch as a pure watch and for FPL uh, takeaways for sure in game week four. Yeah, Bucks, I think we're really just seeing a great start to the season under Graham Potter. It's only a matter of time before the rest of the kind of world club football take notice of his just excellent job that he's been doing at Brighton. They have lost a couple key players in Cucurella and also Basuma, and they haven't missed a beat. Their defensive shape is brilliant. They've had some great counter attacking opportunities and wow, who would have guessed that uh, they would be in the top four after the first three matches. Yeah, that's an understatement. And regarding their transfer business, they have, sold Cucurella, Ben White, and Basuma for a combined $200 million in return to the club. Absolutely massive. And you know what? They keep finding cheap guys to come in that are unproven and do the job. So uh, this Estupion guy, he looks like he's going to be a real player to slot in for Cucurella. And uh, just very impressive business that Brighton are doing on the coast. Um, I think with that, we can go to the match of the weekend. Newcastle host City for a goal fest and a party on the pitch. Uh, absolutely wonderful match to watch. Uh, I watched the extended highlights and then I ended up watching the entire 90 minutes uh, on YouTube <laughs> because I just couldn't Love get that. Up. It was very entertaining. Yeah, this one was a, a great match. Actually, for the folks in the Bay Area, we had a at FPL meets uh, meetup. And so I met some other fellow Twitter managers um, saw that. Never, that was nice. Who had never met before. Yeah. And we got everything we wanted in this match. Um, you know, we were all looking for points in our teams and instead double defense for the likes of Manchester City were easily cleaned out of the way. 
Um, ASM looked phenomenal in this one. He was torching Kyle Walker the whole time. Ake goes out with an injury, and then Diaz comes in after randomly getting benched. And then there was just um, a plethora of just crazy um, you know, opportunities to get on Twitter and blast some certain players. I think Foden missed another potential pass to Holland. Um, I thought Holland looked amazing. You know, when we talk about those two later, um, you know, we're, we really are siding with Holland, even though that he might not play every match coming up. He's just so close to getting a brace every single match. And I think that's a little bit different than where uh, Kane's position is, but you have to hand it to Newcastle. You do not want to come into their house because they will kick your asses out of there. Yeah. And you know what? Holland is that dude. And if this fucker Foden would just pass him the ball, (laughs) he would have six goals already. I mean, the guy could have a brace just like rolling out of, out of his training gear. Um, he is just looking really great money and like a long-term incredible option for city. Uh, it's almost unfair that they get to pair Holland and KDB who one could argue are two of the best three or five players in the premier league right now. Uh, so the fact that Newcastle were able to hang level with them and that Alan St. Maximin basically was just torch. She was going through the city midfield and defense like it was hot butter. So he ends up with a hat trick of assists and uh, he showed no fear going against city. And I think it was just very impressive because Newcastle did not look away. They did not lose the stare down versus Pep and city. So uh, this is a really promising result as we look forward long-term for Newcastle because they're playing the long game and their pragmatic approach um, I think is paying dividends and I'm very impressed with what Eddie Howe is doing on time side. Yeah. I'd really love to see James Madison join this Newcastle team in the January window. I think they're going to come calling for him again, and that could add another dimension. But right now when Callum, the truth Wilson is healthy, he's a difference maker for that squad. And he comes up with a really well-timed goal. We also saw Trippier come in with a free kick goal. So another hashtag, FML FPL moment where so many people transfer Trippier out to go get Cucurella and that comes back to burn you instantly and then we see a price rise from Trippier right after that he's been a, a great asset to own at 5 million and he was one of the rare fullbacks that deliver points this week but I also saw him on a bunch of benches too so I can't blame managers for taking him out because you know when you have two out of three fixtures versus the likes of City and Uh, Liverpool, you probably don't expect points, but he's delivered so far. I said going into game week three's podcast that I was going to keep the faith with Trippier. I wasn't going to transfer him out. And then 48 hours before the deadline, I panicked. I was like, what am I doing? He's plays for Newcastle, not Man City. And he's 5 million. I could get a Chelsea guy. I made a Bonerhead move, uh, moving him to Cucurella. It was horrible. And uh, <laughs> oh my god, honestly, Bucks, hold on, hold on. You just said instead of bonehead, you said bonerhead. That no, that is I know a new what one. I, said. I mean I've, it. I've... I mean it. I was a unicorn <laughs> with a boner on my head. The way I was playing FPL in oh the transfer market, it was horrible. He had a yellow card, but honestly, he could have had a red card, and that would have made me feel a lot better about myself. But honestly. This, the way this Newcastle team plays, they have such a moxie and really impressive. And I think Newcastle will be a team for clean sheets and for defenders uh, to target. If not for a defender, then I think Nick Pope, probably the standout 5 million keeper uh, so far this season, even though he led in three goals against City. Yeah, he, he saved a few big ones that easily could have made this a 5-3 match. So he's very quality keeper there so uh, all right let's end the chaos the chaos bucks out of nowhere manchester united get a 2-1 victory at old trafford versus liverpool where the bleep did this come from i cannot believe this result oh fans protesters they wanted to fold the club but by halftime they were like fold it in fold it in we want even more goals this was a really entertaining match Uh, United started hot and they stayed hot pretty much till the end of the game when there were tired legs. Uh, Jaden Sancho made the Liverpool defense do the gritty, do the lean with it, rock with it. And he put the ball Uh, on the back of the net. And then Rashford, he was offsides. Let's just say what it was. He was definitely a foot offsides, but VAR wanted nothing to do with uh, quieting the 
party at Old Trafford. So uh, that goal stands. And then Mo Salah, ever reliable, pulls one back. Bruno Fernandez on a yellow card is doing some crazy levels of shithouse. Not giving the ball ball back. But uh, really, this is panic station's moment for Liverpool defense. They are not getting any points. And they are some of the most premier and premium priced FPL assets in the game. And I know I have TAA and Rabo, and they're doing diddly squat uh, for my side so far. But uh, Mo Salah, eight points in the end, ends up outscoring all the other captaincy options on 16 points. So uh, Mr. Reliable, the Egyptian King, he's always there to uh, to lean on, to put our head on when we're having a soggy sorrows game week. Yeah, I think uh, earlier when you were talking trash about my ward pick and goal only having one, two, three total points. You have to also point to the weak links in my squad, which has been doubling up on Liverpool defense. Both TAA and Rabo both have a total of four points through three fixtures. Unbelievable. Not what I you cannot... want to see. No, you hate to see it. And that's why my rank is so doo-doo. But I think this one, there were some glaring holes, even with Gomez starting. The Hendo, Milner, Elliott, combination midfield is not working and they missed Tiago. They missed the spine that um, instills confidence in VVD. I thought he had a really poor game. Uh, Firmino looked off the mark. Maybe, you know, he's coming back from injury, maybe wasn't ready, but they threw him out there because they just have a lot of injuries across the side. I will be definitely moving off of this uh, double up in defense. And just in general, it actually prompted me to think about, I think there are so many good fullback options across the top teams. Um, you know, you look at Perisic or you look at Trippier or maybe Sinchenko. I don't think we have to be doubled. You could still go big at the back and not be doubled up on defense at all. You know, you could grab one of these wing backs, one of these fullbacks from each of the top sides and not put all your eggs in one basket because we've been getting burned early on, on that uh, type of call. Yeah, I rate that uh, call for sure. And Liverpool have now conceded first in seven straight matches. So uh, this is not a fluke by any means. This is who they are at this point in time. And I expect that Carvalho, I'm not saying his name right, but I don't care. It's late in the podcast. He's going to start in game week four against Bournemouth because he was their spark off the bench. Uh, Elliot, Milner, Henderson, they all looked like they were like, they were... In the wrong, in the wrong stadium. Yeah, they were just, they were out of sorts. So uh, I really expect that Liverpool are going to come out firing against Bournemouth. So if you have a triple up or the double Liverpool defense, like we both do, I would advise to hold for one more game week, last chance saloon for TA and for Robbo, and uh, then we can make some splashy moves in game week five. Uh, with that, that is the end of the recap. Let's look ahead to the watch list and game week four matches to target when we come back. All right, Bucks, let's talk about the hot assets across the FPL community. And a lot of these players are not on top six sides. So super excited to break down a few of these mid-price midfielders who are popping off right now. Pop, pop. Let's start with Rodrigo. Is he a player you bring in or is he fool's gold? I really thought last week that he was going to be fool's gold and this Chelsea match was going to stimmy him, but instead he goes off. So at 6.3 million, I think he might be the player to bring in this week if you can upgrade a Neto or one of your other midfielders, because he's also going to keep rising in price based on the fixtures that Leeds have in front of them. Yeah, he's the one to target in this game week, even though they are going to be playing against Brighton, a very staunch defense. He's on penalty kicks and he is the leader of the fluid front three for Leeds and Leeds play an incredibly attacking gung-ho brand of footy so i just think that he is a player you need to get he's hot right now and he's playing with sensational levels of confidence he's shooting the ball from absurd angles whenever he has the ball at foot he's looking to put it on goal so he's been really impressive and four goals one assist uh i wish mo Salah had that for my team let alone a player sub 6.5 million yeah, and even with Bamford out, he still looks to be a great option. I think Harrison, his link up with him has been very impressive. So 
Uh, at six million, Harrison's also a player that I would have confidence in. I think he put in 13 or 14 points this week with a goal and assistant bonus. Um, he's a player in the past that we've had in our sides as that kind of sub six million priced uh, midfielder because he had you know a max season where he had 18 total FPL returns. So he's a player that can really bring it and is kind of in the prime of his career in terms of his age and is now his couple seasons in the prem. So I, I think first and foremost, you bring Rodrigo in if you can afford it because he's the one scoring goals and getting the max bonus. But Harrison is a great shout and it could be a, a mini differential because Rodrigo is already approaching 20% ownership. So when you think about building team value in your side, uh, it's hard to ignore these two. Yeah, and I would say Rodrigo won Harrison too. And then Aronson is uh, firmly third, but we should just shout him out. He had a great performance. First goal for the American player ever in the Premier League playing for an American manager. So that's a pretty cool uh, once in a lifetime oh, well. stat for Aronson against uh, Chelsea that's, there. That's some, that's some Ted Lasso shit right there. I mean, he's a pressing monster. I don't think he's going to offer a ton of goals this season, but what he does for the rest of the squad and how he enables um, you know, extra opportunities for Rodrigo and Harrison. I think he's doing a job and he's so far lived up to the $30 million that they paid for him. So uh, well done there. Let's talk about a couple other mid-price midfielders, Zaha and I think Rashford you have to consider as well. Uh, Zaha is up to 7.1 million. And St. Max. I want to throw in St. Max also. I think those three players, uh, they're in choppy waters regarding fixtures, but there's just so much upside. I mean, Rashford, St. Max, and Zaha are kind of all three playing out of position as really attacking midfield winger players, but they might as well be playing forward the way that they might as well be playing forwards, the advanced level that they are playing on average on the pitch. And they're really central to everything that's going right for their teams right now. So I think Zaha, St. Max, and Rashford should all be on your watch list. Personally, I don't have enough free transfers to bring all three of those guys in, but they're definitely on my radar and players that I am looking to target uh, potentially on wildcard because many of them actually price dropped St. Max and Rashford went down in price from where they started at. So you could be getting a really tasty bargain uh, if you time your transfer right for those fellas. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because right now, Rashford is 6.3, which is the same price as Rodrigo. So if you think that the best games have already been played for Rodrigo and you're a Manchester United fan, I think taking a punt on Rashford could really pay off. Uh, looking at their fixtures, and I think this is something you should always do when you're considering bringing a transfer, just look at their next four weeks. And right now, Manchester United in their next match, they have Southampton. And then after that, they play Leicester. Yum, yum. So the next two Double matches, yum, yum. Yeah, the next two matches are going to be very open. They should score two or three goals if they put in the same kind of performance that they did versus Liverpool. Then they have Arsenal and Crystal Palace, which are tougher. Uh, I think Crystal Palace is beginning to be a much stymier defense. Um, so I think next couple of matches, if you're going to take a punt, you could definitely go with Rashford. But uh, Rodrigo, I think with the next like, I think it's maybe eight game weeks. He has a really good run, so it's hard to ignore him. But I think in four game weeks, we're going to have a much better feel for the ETH era for United. And between him and Sancho, those are two players on my watch list. Um, they they both looked very attacking. Uh, Alanga came into the side for Man U. It, it was just a, a renaissance um, to have this kind of attacking output and just overall shift from a team that just got their asses beat 4-0 the week before versus Brentford. So um, yeah, super excited about these mid-priced assets, hopefully delivering FPL points in the near future. Yeah, keeping it moving, let's go to the forward position and really the mid-price forwards are where it's at right now from a overperformance perspective. Uh, we mentioned Ivan Tony, Callum Wilson, uh, Ollie Watkins and Alexander Mitrovic, all putting in regular shifts and getting returns uh, across their matches. Uh, and I'm most impressed with Ivan Tony. I know we shouted him out and gave him a special kudos earlier in the recap, but I also think that Mitro is a player at 6.6 .6 million. The fact that he has penalty kicks and is just so in his bag regarding form right now, uh, hard to ignore the potential of a triple up up top. 
going 4-3-3 or a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, on your first wild card because these mid-priced options are hauling like they are true premiums. So that's definitely something to monitor. And I think if I had to order these four, I would go Tony, Callum Wilson, Mitro, Watkins as one through four. What would you what would you structure them as, Brian? Yeah, if you're in wildcard right now, I would be going into a three, four, three formation. I think it's there's a lot of value there right now in the forwards, especially with Liverpool having so many injuries. You could take that seven million that you have invested in Robo and grab one of these guys instead. Um, I think Tony, he's has as many points as one Gabriel Jesus at the moment. They both have 25 and he looks very consistent. They have the fixtures to back him. Um, again, like I said, a couple of goals ruled off. So I really like his just long-term appeal as well on penalty kicks. Um, and then I think you're right. You do put Callum Wilson and Mitro probably, um, after Tony, because they, they're also on penalty kicks for their squads, which is helpful. Exactly. Um, whereas, whereas Watkins, you're, you're not sure. And Watkins tends to be a little bit more of a squad player presses, gets a few yellow cards, passes a little bit more. Um, but all these players are passing the eye test right now. I think it's really interesting. Again, this Fulham, um, experience, I think a lot of us who remember Fulham from two years ago, they went out and they spent a ton of money and brought in a whole bunch of new players into their side, kind of like NFO is doing to start this season, but they really look like they're going to be up for it and have a lot more attacking prowess than some of the other teams like a Southampton or like um, an Everton, to be honest. So I think these are all good choices. And I would just, again, look at the next four fixtures and figure out who you think is going to be a player to bring in before the majority of FPL managers look to wild card in game week eight and nine. Yeah. Last player that we want to shout out is one Harry Kane. I know there was a big movement of FPL managers who started with Kane and then swapped to Holland or just skipped Kane entirely and swerved him for Erling Holland. The pep comments that they will be resting Holland whenever possible um, to avoid injury and to really protect him as a young player uh, makes me very concerned. And I think that Kane, he's kind of kicked to the curb, this idea that he cannot score in August. He's uh, clearly, he has two goals already this season and he's looking like the best player for Spurs. So I think that a sideways move of Holland to Kane bank that extra cash because Kane went down while, whereas Holland went up. And uh, I think that's going to be a really popular move in the next coming game weeks. And Kane is number two on my watch list behind one Ivan Tony right now. Yeah. And Spurs have NFO up next and then they play West Ham and then Fulham. So a pretty nice little run here. I think that I would still stick with Holland. If he is your guy in your squad right now, there's no reason to panic. I think even though mid week fixtures are going to be starting, he could still come on and play 25 minutes and still get a brace. I just think all of the average attacking positions that he's in, he's so close to goal. And as the team, again, continues to adjust to playing with him, that they're going to create chances for him. So again, I, I just think that you're going to have other fires in your team elsewhere. And the priority is probably not bringing in Kane, unless you're very confident in capping him like, um, you know, maybe against Fulham in a couple of weeks, but this week everyone has Salah and they're going to captain him against Bournemouth. So I don't think it's a, a transfer you do. Um, I think interestingly enough, we've just seen the likes of Bilva and Gunduan. They're starting to find their form. And I think that also just helps increase the creativity around, um, you know, around Holland. So between them and if Foden can ever figure out how to pass to uh, a streaking Holland, they're going to have so many more opportunities than a team that we've seen in Tottenham Spurs so far. Yeah, fair point. All right, with that, let's take another break. When we come back, we'll jump into some questions from our community. Mailbag time, community questions. Thank you very much for getting these in. And we will always answer any questions from the FPL Blues League members. So Nick Hazi asks, real question, James or Cucurella? Not a lot of clean sheets at the moment, but who is a better creation defender for that low price? I think this is by far and away 
it's Reese James. It's not even close um, because of his, because of his attacking output, he can really finish any ball outside the box, inside the box. We actually saw Cucurella have a few opportunities in this match and his end product just isn't the same. Um, You know, he's still going to be a pretty valuable pick at that price, but you're not going to see anything more from Cucurella than a, like a 12 point haul. James, on the other hand, he's put in 21 point performances in the past. He can brace. He, that's that's his upside um, at wing back and get a clean sheet. So I, I would definitely say prioritize James. Avoid the double up if you can. Um, and if you if you went Cucurella instead of James, you're just watching every Chelsea match from behind the couch, even though they just got their tails kicked in. I agree. James is on a different level. I think. Uh... Outside of TAA, he's probably the best right wing back in the world. And he's definitely the best defensive right wing back in the world. Uh, let's keep it moving. Eamon asks, is big at the back finished after the game week three drubbing? And I'll let you take it, Brian. I'm I'm all I'm all aboard that being at the back choo-choo train. Yeah, I mean, it's especially hard to not knee jerk after you see a bunch of zeros and ones in your side, but these are players that are proven and are going to deliver points. I think not having TAA just sets you up for a crazy game week where he might go off for, let's say, 20 points. And that can really ruin your season because he's owned by over 50% of the FPL game right now. I do understand your concern because they've looked terrible so far. They keep going down in every match. Um, I, I think I do like the fact that he's stayed on past 90 minutes. He's relied on to create chances and I think that's just something that you're worth paying the premium and keeping in your team because you'll be able to make moves elsewhere and gain rank um, from that so Robbo on the other hand if you're on the double up you can you can move him on at any time if you need funds to try and get to one of these hot bandwagon midfielders that seems like the natural spot to do so I have a slightly different perspective. I think that this was a weird and wacky game week. And I think uh, if you have the premium defenders in your team, keep the faith. Uh, All the premium defense, City, Chelsea, and Liverpool all play at home in game week four. So uh, this will be a real test to see if they're worth their weight in the FPL game. And if they're not, last chance saloon, move them off for game week five. Yeah, and just want to shout out, um, you know, PV is asking if it's time to sell TAA, um, you know, from Big Man Bakar on Twitter. In the last three game weeks, there's some great stats on TAA. He is first in chances created, first in big chance involvements, expected assists, first, expected goal involvement, first, touches in the final third, first of all defenders. So he's a player that is do FPL points. He's going to come good. Keep the faith and make sure to fix your other weak links. However, for defensive hustle, he's probably near last. So uh, he does play I mean, he's not, defense. He's, he's, he's not, not a defender, out there. To, he's not out there to hustle. Come on. Let's be honest. You got you got Milner choo-chooing away, just puffing and um, trying to instill some energy in the squad instead. All right. From Twitter, we got a great question from FPL Primo. He asks if it's worthwhile to use two moves to swap out Holland for KDB. Interested to hear your take on this, Brian. Absolutely not. I think you wait and you wait to make that move on your first wild card because it's just such a sideways move. Obviously, we're super impressed with the way KDB is playing, but you're going to have other opportunities in your squad to uh, make adjustments. And again, that first wild card is around the corner. So you could definitely drop Holland then and go with KDB. Uh, I know managers are a little bit wary of his rotation, but who's not to say that he doesn't rotate in the midweek games and plays the Premier League games to start? Like that's definitely something that can happen for all these players who are playing midweek um, especially in the early stages of Champions League, where we don't expect City to be putting out their best uh, starting 11. So I think that's something to consider as well, given where we're at in the start of the season. I'm not as opposed to it as you are, Brian. I actually think this is more team dependent. Like if I had Holland and Mason Mount, I would be very tempted to do a swap of Holland to Tony and Mason Mount up to KDB. I uh, would be a natural fit from a funds perspective. So I think this is more of a team specific question, but I do think that Holland is 
he's looking so threatening that I would be scared to go without him, even though KDB might be the actual best player in the Premier League at this point in time. Yeah, love me some KDB, best midfielder in the world. All right, last question we have from Andy Villamore. He asks, who are the best Arsenal defenders? You can have your pick of sub 5.5. And uh, right now we have the likes of Ramsdale and goal at 5 million. We could get Sinchenko at 5.2, Gabriel at 5, and even Saliba at 4.6 at the moment. Bucks, what do you think here? I think, honestly, I don't know if you can go wrong. There is no wrong answer here, but I think if I were to rank them one through four, I would go Zinchenko one, Saliba two, Gabriel three, and Ramsdale, who I have as a comfortable and distant fourth. And I really think that these outfield players offer such great value from Arsenal because they're not only knocking the ball around the pitch, but everyone is getting opportunities to put it on goal. Gabriel was a set piece monster last season where he had five goals and he has zero returns thus far. So those are coming for him. And Zinchenko is playing as an additional attacker on the left side with Martinelli. Uh, There is no wrong answer for Arsenal. You just have to have three of their outfield players, if at all possible. And they're all cheap. So there are definitely um, concerns. If you go into a game week and you don't own a Arsenal defender, especially when they're playing Fulham at home, Villa at home, then they play at United and then Everton at home. These are some great fixtures. They should probably clean two of those uh, based on their form and their um, ball control. So yeah, could, could get crazy. So having one of those is going to at least be a shield and defend your rank. Like I don't have an Arsenal defender and I was losing a lot of points last week um, when they cleaned and the rest of my defenders did Jack squat. So uh, definitely something to prioritize for this upcoming run and then later post wildcard you can just keep martinelli and jesus yeah that's a great natural transition to the matches in game week four to target brian we shouted out fulham travel to arsenal uh that is definitely one that you want to be backing arsenal in a big way bournemouth travel to anfield to play against liverpool liverpool get right or get the hell out of our teams i mean it's <laughs> enough already and then tottenham travel to play at the city ground, Nottingham Forest, those are clear in a way, the three best matches from an FPL perspective, I think. And then the best actual matches for the weekend, Leeds at Brighton, as we mentioned before, that is going to be a really great match to watch for kind of a dick measuring contest to see which team <laughs> is real uh, and who is the better manager, Marsh with all kind of attitude and energy or Potter with the mind and the tactics. So that should be a great watch. And then Crystal Palace traveled to Etihad to play against City. Uh, those five matches, mark them in your calendar. You want to be watching those if possible. Yeah, the Leeds and Brighton matchup is a hold my beer, holding my dick kind of uh, game. We're going to really see who's top of the um, the table between those two. And then I think Crystal Palace on the counter, like we saw against Liverpool, and we just saw City kind of get carved up. I'll be really interested to see if Zaha can score yet again. So uh, some great opportunities ahead. All right, Bucks, let's jump into transfers and captaincy and GTFO. What are you thinking with your one free transfer this week? Yes, I should, before we get into transfers and captaincy talk, we should just apologize to the ladies and any parents that are listeners, because this has been a, a level more than uh, our usual on the podcast from I mean, language we're, we're, and uh, graphic imagery perspective. We're, we're fired up this weekend, Bucks, because the, the things that we saw on the pitch and that we saw a lack of points in our FPL squad, they've driven us to crazy, um, crazy on times tilt. here on the pod. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So you have one free transfer. Uh, What are you thinking this week? So I had one free transfer and a million in the bank, and I decided to take another early transfer. I watched that Leeds match against Chelsea, and I was just in utter disgust. So to make up for the fact that Chelsea disappointed me in such a way and Leeds made my team look so silly, I rash transferred Rodrigo in before the price rises for Neto. I'm really liking that move. And Rodrigo is going to be an every game week starter for me in my 5-3-2 preferred lineup. And I really think that it's such a natural move because Wolves struggle for goals and Leeds 
all they do is score goals. So I just like that it's a bet on the player, but it's also a bet on the system and the side. So uh, that is my move. I like it. And then for for captaincy, I am really torn right now. It's definitely going to be on a Liverpool player. Right now, my bus team has the armband on Mo Salah because you can't go wrong there. But I really think that TAA might snag it. He has been tempting me as a potential differential captain against Bournemouth. Bournemouth don't score a lot. So the ceiling for a defender is much higher if Liverpool can, in fact, keep a damn clean sheet. God damn it. Yeah, I do not uh, back that shout for TAA this week. I think in another week where... We actually had Matip and Tiago and the rest of their squad fully healthy. Then maybe you could give them a shout. And I know throughout the season, you and I will consider Cancelo and TA as captain shouts. But um, I'm right there with you on backing Salah. He's just Mr. Reliable. And right now, I think this Bournemouth side, I've watched them a little bit. They can put up a scrappy fight for a third of the game, and then they're just going to get run over. Um, And you got to back the narrative that Klopp really wants to get their first win of the season and no better team to do that than versus the likes of Bournemouth who don't score many goals. Yeah. Who you got for transfers, Brian, tell the listeners. All right. So I got two free transfers. Um, So I'm looking to move on from Robbo. He's my cash cow and I'm going to sacrifice him. I'm going to dice him up and spread those funds elsewhere. He is again got me four points, and at six point nine, I'm going to downgrade him likely to Saliba, um, and I think it's just a good shield to get in an Arsenal defender. He's the cheapest one and looks nailed, and obviously coming off that goal and just the form of Arsenal just is a no brainer. Um, and that way, I can actually upgrade Bailey straight to Rodrigo with my two free transfers. So uh, really going to be increasing the squad depth and then I'll still have Nico Williams and Pereira on my bench for any rotation when these midweek games start and that leaves me uh, with money in the bank that'll leave me with about I think 0.8 or 0.9 and that way I can upgrade my Ward Iverson duo the following week Um, so I was thinking about taking a hit but if I'm going to bring in Rodrigo um, I'm, I'm eyeing up Sanchez Bob the monster and so it doesn't make sense to take a hit for a player that I'm going to then play against my other transfer. So I'll I'll be patient and just suck it up another one or zero point performance from Ward. And then then by game week five, I'll finally have a confident squad. Wow, what a disaster to start the season. Can't believe I finished 22K last season. It's been a rough go of it. But onwards we go, Bucks, and can't wait to have the action back this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I'm hoping for you that you pick your transfers wisely because if Sanchez gets the clean sheet and Rodrigo blanks, this is going to be another painful podcast next game week. Yeah, it could be ugly. Um, And then I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our good mates, Corey Cummings. He's getting married this weekend as well. Uh, I will be his best man. So I'm looking forward to a weekend full of partying, waking up in my hotel room and uh, trying to squint and look and watch some games on my phone while I'm in the Portland area. So congrats, Corbear. Much love. And uh, thanks for tuning in this week to the FPL Blues podcast. Congrats, Corey. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners. We love you all. And we look forward to shouting many of you out on the podcast in the coming episodes. Talk soon.